skirting is a hobby and sometimes not so serious. A sense of humor is good when the birds make you furious. Thank you for tuning in to Hannah and Eric Go Birding, a podcast by birders for birders. I'm Hannah and he's Eric. And we created this podcast to share our adventures, sometimes misadventures, and opinions that we have on different birding topics. We're definitely not experts and anything that we discussed might be controversial. We want you to remember there are our own opinions and they might be different from yours. Good disclaimer. Yeah, it's... I, I feel like it's accurate. It works uh, in, on every level, and it's worked since uh, 96 episodes ago. Yeah, so don't blame us. <laughs> uh, so, what's going on? Uh, well, we're coming into spring. Um, yeah. We have tons of common murs. I think we talked about this in the last episode. Tons Maybe. of common murs up on the rock. But we actually saw them up on the rock yeah, this morning. Day, we're days away from tufted puffins showing up. It's We're going out every morning to see if we can catch them. It's... Hopefully we'll see him before we leave for our trip. Yeah. And, you know, I'm so um, happy that we have our new coescope because I was able to stand, like, way, way back. Like, I didn't have to walk down Haystack Rock, which is We're not far. It's half a mile. Half a mile. But I just, like, had to go out at the end of the street and I could look up and see common words. Yeah. So you, like, you can see them pretty pretty clearly um, at a half mile. Super exciting. <laughs> for me, at least. So one thing that we um, decided off the cuff the other day is that we're going to have bird walks here at, where we live in Cannon Beach, Oregon throughout the spring and summer. Yeah. I think we're planning on three to four a month, um, a couple out to Haystack Rock to go look at all these cool birds, and then some down around the settling ponds because that's a really good birding too. Yeah, we're probably going to be doing those walks anyways, so <laughs> we uh, figured we'd kind of put it out there and be like oh if you happen to be in town on the days that we happen to be walking down these are the days that we we think we'll have time and the tides are going to be good and all that stuff so um you can join us yeah so if anyone happens to find themselves in Cannon Beach this (laughs) summer you know or anytime look us up because we love to talk about birds yeah so yeah I'm really looking forward to doing those walks it'll force us to get out and go birding in the mornings and uh yeah just be a fun time yeah so there's another bit of news that Hannah's probably too shy to uh, talk about. But when have I ever been too shy? I guess that's true. You're never, you're never, you're, you were probably going to bring it up if I didn't interrupt and bring it up first. <laughs> um, Hannah just had her first blog on 10,000 birds posted. Yeah. So well, it's it's a guest thing. Yes. So it's not like I'm a regular contributor. You could be though. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah. So I, I wrote an article about our experience on Flock to Marion. So if you haven't had enough of us talking about it. Uh, you can go to 10,000 birds and Eric will put the link in the show notes yes. for that. But it was, uh, it was a blog post about our experience on the cruise ship. So, um, check that out. Yeah. So it's, it's a little bit more detailed on a couple things that we didn't go over in the podcast, but, uh, so it's, it's good. It's a good, uh, companion to the episode that we talked about it. It's a lot of thoughts and feelings. Lots of thoughts and feelings. Yep. Yeah. Hannah also had an episode come out. Man, thank you for doing all this Hannah's, intro for me. I appreciate yeah. it. So I'm going to introduce <laughs> Hannah. She is my co-host here. Oh. <laughs> Aw. And life partner. Um, anyways, yes, I did have an episode <laughs> come out recently. I interviewed Alyssa Rice, who is newly moved to Florida from Utah, where she is a zookeeper. And she, you know, talked to me all about her art that she does and being a zookeeper and being a birder. Um, and the cocktail for that one was an American Kestrel. So tune in to Women Birders Happy Hour wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah. So last, uh, one of the last bits of news, um, we're traveling soon. <laughs> yeah. Um, probably the last time we're going to travel for a while. Um, but it's super exciting. Um, Champions of the Flyway. We're two leaving years coming. Two, yeah, it's two years in the making uh, for us. Um, it's it's a thing that's been going on longer than that, but for us, it's two years <laughs> in the making. Um, and this is when it's going to hit it. It's exactly, when we go. it's, it's going to be big this year. <laughs> uh, so we're le- we're leaving actually in less than a week from when this comes out. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll we'll be like in the air and in the eastern hemisphere in a week. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. I'm excited. So I Hannah Hannah's been on a team. She's been, she's been on a team since two years ago. They've been fundraising. They've been super successful getting getting money raised last for the last cycle for the Step Eagle, and this cycle they've been really successful so far and almost reaching their goal for turtle dove for turtle conservation. Dust. Yeah, so that's super exciting. And I just recently have some news 
I am now going to be on a team. Yay! I, yes, a, a team, um, two other people, uh, uh, Phyllis and Terry, that I've never met. Don't I don't know anything about these people. Um, they don't know anything about me or each other. They've two of, um, Both of them live over in Israel. One of them is retired. One of them is uh, currently working over there. And I'm currently working over here in America. <laughs> and we are going to meet up. I think we're probably going to see each other the first time the evening before the race starts. I think that's when we're going to meet. Yeah. So that'll that'll be super exciting. We're going to going to all meet up together and spend 24 hours together racing around um, southern Israel to see how many birds we can possibly see. But I think my team's going to win. I don't think so. I, I mean, we've got we've got this whole thing that we don't know each other going on <laughs> that we are going to dominate. Because you're going to be looking out the birds trying to avoid out the windows <laughs> trying to avoid conversation. You're like I asked all the icebreaker questions I, I can think of. I've run out of questions to ask, so I'm going to keep looking for birds. We're going to be so focused on birds, it's not even going to be funny. That's true. Yeah, everybody in my car is going to be chatting. So. Yeah, you guys are all friends. You're going to be That's hanging true. out just chatting the whole time. Yeah, you're not, you're not going to get anything done. <laughs> <laughs> because we're gonna eat our dust um so we're excited about that and we're it's also looking more and more likely that we're gonna be at bird fair in july so are you going we want to see people there yes. i guess there's like in the past there's been like twenty five thousand people that attend people. so i that number's probably totally wrong it's it, I, I heard there's two hundred fifty thousand people that attend daily really yeah. that's so <laughs> okay so yeah super excited about that um, so we also wanted to mention our bird nerd giveaway winner. Burr, 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 burr. If you'll remember from our last episode, we asked you to tell us a nickname that you give birds in the spirit of Matt Crack's field guide to the dumb birds of the whole stupid world. Mm -hmm. So you might've perused that like online or something like that and saw that he has, um, humorous names that he gives to birds. And I know that we do that and I know that everybody else does that too. For example, we usually call ospreys hawk sprays, and we say cormacants instead of cormorants, and oftentimes we'll call juncos chunkos. Yeah, because they're so chunky. Yeah. <laughs> they're chunking around. Like, hey, there's a bunch of chunkos in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we asked you to send us your examples of humorous nicknames that you give to birds, and we had a lot of great submissions. Yeah, so um, Andrea refers to uh, great blue herons as Hank. Which is um, funny because we call goals Andy. Yeah, all, all goals are Andy um, here in Cannon Beach. Um, so if you come to Cannon Beach, there's plenty of Andys around. Andy all over the place. All over the place. Um, uh, Portland Mama um, says that she refers to um, Junkos as uh, Junko in the Trunko. <laughs> that was hilarious. Um, and then uh, Wary underscore Cassowary calls uh, yellow-headed blackbirds uh, black black-bodied yellowbirds. I, I like that flip. I mean, I like who, who's who's to say that it's not a yellow bird? It could it, it's it's a it's a yellow bird that's got a black body. It makes you think about its name a little bit more too. Yeah, like why 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 do we have to name it after just a small portion? You're naming it after the the big portion. Yeah, yeah. So our winner uh, was randomly selected from the entries, and it was Eric, not this Me? Eric. No, oh, no. <laughs> he oh, didn't okay, win I didn't. I didn't win. Eric, who calls <laughs> bridled quail doves that pigeon thing. That pigeon thing. <laughs> yeah, they were birding in the U.S. Virgin Islands and saw one, and his wife was referring to it as that pigeon thing they they kept seeing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, congratulations, Eric, and thank you all for uh, participating. Eric has won an autographed copy of Matt Crack's Field Guide to the Dumb Birds of the Whole Stupid World. Uh, so thanks for playing and stay tuned for our next giveaway. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. It's always a good one. We have no idea what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a good one, though. It'll, it'll, it'll be good. It'll come to us. Um, so for this episode, um, we're now to our main story. So this is where the hey, skippers, skippers will get here. Welcome back. Um, we interviewed uh, the inter the author of the book that we just gave away to, um, to Eric, um, the Field Guide to Dumb Birds of the Whole Stupid World. Um, he also wrote the field guide to dumb birds of North America, and he's currently writing a journal, um, a journal field guide, field journal. That's what it's called. He's writing a field journal um, that's got a bunch of um, a bunch of facts about dumb birds in it and blank pages for you to take notes while you're out in the field. So Matt Cracked is someone who I actually really wanted to chat with years ago when mm -hmm. his first book came out, and I saw that he lived in Seattle. Yeah, it was like, oh, that's he's close. We could interview him in person because it, it was kind of in the time frame that we were only sticking to only in person um, pre-COVID, and then COVID kind of screwed up uh, in-person interviews. So 
Yeah, but I, I felt like the first book that he put out, The Field Guide to Dumb Birds of North America, was one that just kind of swept over. Like, I saw it everywhere. I saw it, you know, on, on Amazon was telling me to buy it, on Facebook. I saw it in, you know, bookstores. Mm-hmm. Like, I think our bookstore down here has copies of it. <laughs> it was just something that was, like, omnipresent that was, like, right after it came out, we were like, okay, we need to buy this and see what it's all about. Mm-hmm. We don't tote ourselves as semi-journalists, but I, I always kind of think about ourselves that way. And, you know, I thought, like, this is coming out. This is sweeping the nation and birders. and Sweeping the nation. <laughs> and we need to get a copy <laughs> to see what it's about. And, fortunately, you know, it's a pretty reasonably priced book. I think, like, 14 or $15 for a copy. Mm-hmm. And it is hilarious. It's not necessarily a field guide that you take out into the field. I mean, you can, and there's a lot of great information in it, but it's also just kind of a book that you can pick up, read a few pages, you know, laugh to yourself, and then, you know, put down to the next time you need a good laugh. Yeah, so the reviews for it are, are pretty mixed in general. <laughs> they're all um, over the place. They're, they're all over the place. There's, there's, um, it, it's, it's a type of humor that really appeals to a segment of the population. It does not appeal to everyone, that's that's for sure. But um, it's very vulgar, vulgar and um, uses a lot of uh, inappropriate language. But it's if, if, you've, if you've got a, um, a sense of humor that matches that, it's hilarious. And I, I find it hilarious because I'm uh, immature. And I, I, I like, uh, I like potty humor and just vulgar humor and just, especially when I want to like think about nothing or think about something stupid and just kind of like laugh at, laugh at stuff. It's like, oh, that's, it, it really fits that niche of like humor that's, that's great. And I feel like it's something that holds up, um, when you're having a bad day, like, Let's, let's 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 read a couple of these things and and see how 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 dumb this this dumb bird is. <laughs> and like Eric mentioned, the reviews are really mixed. Um, there's a handful of reviews on Amazon mm-hmm. that are very anti the book. Uh, that say there's anger with occasional f bombs and vulgarity is not funny. Sophomoric attempt at humor. But then there's also a lot of really positive reviews that totally outweigh the. The negative reviews. Oh, overall, it's positive, but there, there is a lot of those negatives, which I think is interesting because those people that put the negative didn't even look at the... Oh, yeah. They, there, there's pictures included of what, what's included in, in this book. And yeah. It's, it's, it's very vulgar, but it's it's funny. Yeah. Um, so, neg- <laughs> so positives were, whereas um, an ornithologist with a self-described cheesy sense of humor wiped away tears of joy laughing their butt off while reading it. So it's definitely, you know, hilarious, but like Eric mentioned, there's a certain crowd that, of course, you know, won't find it funny. Yeah. And Eric is, like you said, more immature. <laughs> childish. Childish, you know? yeah. I, I can see that. I, I can see myself being childish. I can't think of any other... Any, any other insults you can throw at me? Yeah. I see. I see. But he, he finds it really funny, and, you know, myself, I don't necessarily find a whole lot of vulgarity funny. But I find when it's used in, you know, in certain instances, it is funny. In and a protected also, setting. <laughs> yeah. And also, like, you know, birding, I, I feel like a lot of the negative reviews are probably folks who take their birding really seriously. And yeah, I can see that. that is something, birding is something that we do for fun and for the love of it. And I think it's really easy for us, at least, to find the humor in birding. And this, yeah. I feel like, really brings that to light is how funny birding is. Yeah, so inter- let's let's listen to what uh, Matt Cracked has to say about himself and how he got into writing writing this uh, these two books about uh, dumb birds of the world and North America. Okay, well, Matt, thank you so much for joining us um, to talk about your book, but also we want to learn more about you. So please tell us about yourself. Yeah, thanks, Hannah. It's just, it's really cool to be here. Uh, so my name is Matt Crocked. Um, everyone wonders how to pronounce that. It's that's how it's pronounced. Um, and I live in the Pacific Northwest and I wrote a couple of books about birds. What else do you want to know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, so you just put out the field guide to dumb birds of the whole stupid world, mm. which is by far the best bird title. I book title that I've ever read. Um, it makes me laugh and it, you know, gets me interested in, you know, what more is behind the the covers of that book. But I want to know about golden crown kinglets because it seems like you don't like them. So tell us more about that. <laughs> yeah, actually, well, I don't, 
in truth, I don't hate golden crown kinglets, but they they do represent sort of a thorn in my side and kind of what like an early formative experience um, that that sort of led to the first book, the Field Guide to Dumb Birds of North America, um, and. I'll, I'll just summarize that a lot of this is in the introduction. If people want to read more about it, they can in both books. But um, in fourth grade, I had this actually really amazing teacher. Um, and they, in my school, there were two different fourth grade classes. They split it into two. And um, these two fourth grade teachers were both uh, kind of amateur bird nets and, uh, excuse me, ornithologists. And, uh, and they were, they were low key competitive about it with their classes. And so, you know, we would go on, they would take us on field trips and, and go, you know, we'd go to a bird sanctuary and see what we could spot. And they were a little competitive, like who, whose class saw the most bald eagles or whose class spotted the most, you know, blue herons or whatever. And, and it, I mean, it's all good fun. And, um, it also, she was also the first teacher to give me homework to take home over a Christmas break, you know, fourth grade. I, I'm sure now it's just like totally commonplace, but at the time you did your work in school and then you played after school, you I'd climb trees and read comic books and things like that. And, but over Christmas break, we were assigned a report and we were each supposed to write a report about a particular bird, which um, was cool with me. Cause I was sort of excited about that. And I really, 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 really wanted to do the um, the black-capped chickadee, mm-hmm. um, in part because I saw them all the time as a child. I mean, they're everywhere, a lot of places, but especially where I was, um, it just seemed like you could you couldn't walk out the door without seeing them. And so, to me, writing a report on birds was a little bit like being, I don't know. I guess I was inspired by the, you know, the naturalists like, you know, Darwin and and some of these other folks. And to me, the idea was like, it was going to be super fun to go out in the field and watch a bird and discover behavior, you know, not thinking that like somebody has been, people have been studying this bird for, you know, a hundred years and probably are, have already figured out more than I'm going to over Christmas break or whatever. But like, that was, it was the field work that seemed exciting to me. It felt like being Indiana Jones of birds. And so, I thought I was going to do that, but um, and I didn't get to do the black cap chickadee because somebody else, like the the person right before me, as we went around the class in a circle and named which bird we want to do, called out black cap chickadee. And I was like, oh, well, can can I do black cap chickadee? And I, I still, I don't know why, what would have been so wrong about two kids writing a report about the same bird, but it was like, no, you need to do a different bird. Maybe she was thinking like, <laughs> I don't want to read 55 reports on black cap chickadees. And so I didn't, I couldn't, I've always had this problem making, you know, like I, I'm the guy who reads the menu for the restaurant before I go, because otherwise it irritates my life because I, you know, they're like, what do you want? And I'm like, mm, I don't, cause I can't decide. So I, I didn't know. And she said, why don't you do the golden crown kinglet? And I said, okay, sounds good. It's similar in size. You know, I've, I've seen them in, in, in my Sibley's guide or whatever, and they're pretty cool, but I thought I was going to go out and, um, you know, go out in the woods, go out on the trails with my binoculars and my spiral notebook and my number two pencil and, and study them. And I spent a bunch of time early on during Christmas vacation going out in the natural world, at least as it existed for a fourth grader, which was, you know, mostly like riding around the neighborhood on my bike and parking under big trees and looking up, but also, you know, made some special trips thanks to my parents to bird sanctuaries and, and stuff. And, and of course, I don't know if you know anything about golden crown kinglets, they're like, they're like the size of your thumb and they're the same, you know, they're, they're really, in spite of the little, cold crown that you almost never see on them um they're you know at 50 feet they could be a pine cone and so i never saw one and it just drove me crazy and it actually stopped me from doing the normal academic thing which would be to like read about this bird and study it that way and so and then i got consumed in you know christmas vacation and uh it was like two days before the end of vacation and my mom was like how is that bird report going and i'm like oh 
it's not like I hadn't, hadn't done anything. She's like, well, you have to do it. And I was like, well, I, I mean, I didn't see, I couldn't find the bird. And she's like, why don't you pull the encyclopedias out? I'll take you to the library. And she basically, she made me do it, which was great because I needed to do it. But, but I hated every minute of it because it felt like it was art. It felt like I was faking it because I hadn't discovered anything on my own about it. And I was just rehashing what the encyclopedia Britannica said or, or whichever one we had, you know, the family encyclopedia set that was, purchased in the early 80s and um so I wrote this report and handed it in and I got like uh I don't remember what the it wasn't ABCD but I got like essentially got like adequate you know because it just wasn't I found it in I found it in at the last minute I actually was so stressed about it I cried while I wrote part of it um because I just didn't think I was going to finish it and you know when you're it's the first time you've got this sort of academic requirement and I, which I took very, I was a little precocious as a kid. And, and so it seemed like sort of the end of the world to me that I didn't get a great grade on this thing. And I, I, it's sort of always stuck in my craw and, you know, Chris, I got over that. I went to junior high, cared about video games and <clears throat> all the things that kids care about. And then um, fast forward a whole lot of years. And this is a few years ago now um, I'm living in Seattle and I'm uh, down taking a walk this is probably New Year's Day or the day after, and it's this crisp, beautiful, sunny day, and I'm walking on the waterfront and um, in this big park down there called Lincoln Park. It's beautiful, um, a lot of old growth trees and, and trails that are like right on the water, and you you know watch the ferry come and go. And we're walking along, having a nice walk, and my wife and I are, and um, and I just out of the corner of my eye, I don't like. All that time I tried to see a golden crown kinglet as a kid, I could never, ever, I never saw one in the wild. I've never seen one until that day. And I saw this bird and I just had this little, it, this immediate like sort of flashback to the feeling of not having done a good job at that report and feeling like this big academic failure and feeling stupid and all that. And I, I pulled my phone out of my pocket and because I just had this thought, it's like, I'll snap a picture of it. Finally, I've seen it. It's like in some tiny way it's redemption for me it's academic redemption i finally spotted it and i get my phone out and this thing you know kinglets are you know they sort of hop around it was in the leaf litter at the you know it's like maybe five feet for me now and which is unusual because usually they're they spend most of their time higher up and so i'm just excited am i going to get this great shot and it's beautiful it has the perfect golden crown and everything and it just my phone couldn't focus on it quickly enough. It would just be one hop ahead or one movement. And so I have like, I still have like 15 blurry photos. It just looks like blurry photos of leaves on the ground. You literally can't make out which one is the kinglet. And um, it was just like, ah, it just made me angry. You know, it like, it, it just felt like this, like this 35 years later slap in the face. And uh, so it irritated me. And, and, I think it was probably the next day at work. And I, you know, I spent a lot of time <laughs> waiting for meetings to start at this job. And I always, um, I've always drawn and painted and, and written. And I always have a notebook or at this, in this case, I had a pad of post-it notes and I just did this little doodle of this bird because I was thinking about it. And it was this really rough sketch. It actually is in the first book. Um, it's the roughest sketch. It's the first one I did. Uh, it's done in pen and highlighter. And, um, and I walked out, I walked out of this meeting and I, and a, a friend and, and colleague of mine said, wow, he saw the, saw the image and said, I, it looks like you were angry at this bird when you drew it. And I was, I, I wasn't, but I thought that was funny. And, um, he and I have a similar sense of humor and we were joking around at lunch in the following week or whatever, we were having a bite and talking about it. And I said, you know, it'd be funny if, uh, if there were like a bird watcher who was obsessed by birds and, but he hated them. And so we laughed about that. And then I thought as a, as a joke, right, I'm going to do a couple more of these drawings and I'm going to, uh, post them anonymously on uh, Tumblr. I, I just picked Tumblr for some reason at the time. It seemed like a good, good way to do it. And, uh, and then I'm going to send this guy a link and go, it's the guy. And it's going to be this in joke and, uh, which I did. And it was funny to me and two other friends <laughs> who were in on the joke. And I think I wrote five or, or six little 
initial bird things and did these little drawings and and um that that is how this whole book started so yeah so i have when people ask me what my relationship with a, a golden crown kinglet is i tell them it's complicated so um <laughs> actually i i really i love birds i think uh they're beautiful and amazing creatures and endlessly fascinating um and uh so i guess that surprises people too sometimes after they've read my book which is full of me cursing about them well and and i i think it, it does come through like reading the stuff like you you have it's not just like oh this black and white bird's gross and and i hate it and, and it's stupid and dumb but it, like you have like you have field marks in there you have specific reasons why certain birds are dumb over other birds like so so it's it's it comes through that you you like the birds you you love the birds you just you oh. you you hate them to the point or you love them to the point that you hate them sort of like personality behind like the writing in the book see and i totally get that like i have a love-hate relationship with birds too like <laughs> i i was reading through your the intro to your book and when you were telling that whole story about golden crown kinglets you know i i went to my computer because i was intending on like writing a review of your book and i wrote like I get this guy because I cuss at birds too. <laughs> like anytime Eric and I go birding, just under my breath the whole time, it's like, oh, I hate you, you stupid bird. Come over here, get closer. Yeah. I can't see you get from out from behind the leaf. What you yeah. Doing? yeah. I think there's something to that. I think that's, it, it's actually, uh, when the book was first coming out, um, I was sort of terrified that, people who loved birds that that ornithologists and biologists and just bird enthusiasts would would hate me for it and be like what is your problem birds are great you shouldn't hate birds and and then i always had this you know imaginary conversation in my head where i'm like no it's a joke i'm joking i don't really you know but um as you're getting dragged away by yeah exactly (laughs) but but in, in reality actually um like right off the bat, I think I think it resonated with people. And I think that anytime you're passionate about something um, and you spend a lot of time with it, it, you do that because you love it or you're fascinated, you're driven to do it or whatever. But, but there's always, I think there's, you know, like birds don't, they won't cooperate with you, right? Like they don't care if you want to see them or not. They don't care if you can get a good look at their field markings or if they're just gonna like i'm just gonna sit here directly between you and the sun so all you can get is my silhouette and they just they don't care and you know they're wild and natural and and beautiful but they also you know poop on your car and um you know harass your dog or, or whatever and so i think there's this when we elevate something up you know, as this thing that we love or we study seriously or whatever, there's this part of us that wants to acknowledge that also at the same time, they're really irritating. You know, it's kind of like you can love your spouse and some people will sort of like then elevate them and pretend like they're perfect. And other people will say like, I, I love them, but it drives me nuts when they leave the toothpaste cap off or, or whatever they do. So, um, and those are really, those are the most interesting relationships anyway, where, where, you know, it's not, it's not Pollyanna and perfect. And so I think that it, for people who are like really into birds and they really do love them. And they also like, because of that, they're super frustrated when they can't get the ones on their list that they want to do. And I'm not a lister. Um, I, I don't have anything against people who are, but I just don't, I, I can't, uh, <laughs> I don't have the um, discipline uh, or the drive for that. I just like to enjoy them. So that classmate that you yeah. had that picked black cat, cat uh-huh. chickadee, did you ever see them again in uh, at, you know your reunion or something like that? And like this is your fourth, fault. Gr- fourth my, grade, my fourth grade, grade reunion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I I lost touch with that person after grade school. Actually, probably after fifth grade. They the school that I was at got closed and so we all got sent off to different schools and so there was that but also you know it's like that sort of like you know people you know in the fourth grade very few of them are going to be your lifelong friends because you're like you can be like total (laughs) best friends with someone for like two months in fourth grade and then you don't then you have a different best friend so 
uh no she i mean i don't i don't know we, we're not in contact maybe i don't know maybe we're friends on facebook or something like that but um nope i didn't didn't stay in contact and i i don't bear her any real ill will i mean other than that she just jumped on my bird but um but yeah i i can i can move on with my life now that i've written two successful best-selling books about birds i can I'll, you know i'll just i'll i'll just say thank you to to her because if she hadn't done that maybe i wouldn't have done this so. yeah so so how besides the um golden crown kinglet how did you pick um in all the all the other birds yeah. that are in um either yeah. book i mean i mean there's a lot of birds yeah i from. think there are a total of a little over 100 birds total between the two books um okay between 100 and 120 i haven't i can't remember the exact count but uh well so the way that it started i mean it started out as an in joke right and so i started with i don't i started with birds that i was familiar with um local birds that i mean there was the the kinglet that obviously was the genesis of the whole thing and then i think pretty shortly after that i probably think i probably did the black chickadee actually i think i waited on that one for a while because i had a little bit of uh anxiety about getting it right i think uh like not for the same reasons like i now i could write a pretty good like report with a great bibliography about it but but i wanted it to be at least as funny if not funnier as the other one so i probably held off on that a little bit but yeah i i i started with local you know like classic pacific northwest birds the uh, great blue heron and and some others like that and just the ones that are in my life every day you know crows and and stellar's jays and, and things like that you know because i didn't have when i started it it wasn't a book it was you could call it a blog but i mean it was barely that it was a tumblr and uh and i just posted them it was a yeah it was basically and i was just posting them and and it was just for for my friends and then i you know like i noticed that you know they followed me so i'm like oh cool i have four followers and and then one day i noticed it was like well i have like there's like 80 or 90 people following me and that's weird but cool and so and it was kind of you know it was more just entertainment for me i was doing it for myself more than anything like it was fun i've always enjoyed like i said i always enjoyed drawing and writing at the time i was working for a fortune 500 coffee company that i won't name and uh in the creative department there uh as a as a creative manager and an art director. And, um, and so I had kind of a weird job where I both managed other creatives and, but, but spent a lot of time at photo shoots and things like that. And, and so I had these weird pockets of time and, and I just would find myself naturally drawing something. And then I had this sort of like, like I'd done a few of them and then I got some likes and that, you know, that dopamine kicks in and you're like, oh, I like that. Let's do more of that. But I also felt like, well, somebody out there thought this was funny. And so, you know, really, I was just doing it for the laughs. And uh, so I started doing that. And then when it became, I'll tell you, let me tell you the story of how this became a book, because it'll explain, I think, a lot of the question of how things got moved forward. So, so I'd been, I did this blog for a little while. And I don't know, I had maybe 10 or 15, or maybe 20 at most birds that I'd done. And um, this was, I wouldn't call it a labor of love. It was more of a labor of fun. It literally became like a pastime for me, like in between meetings or um, you get to work and you get your coffee and you're getting stuff set up and you have this idea and you, you know, I would jot something. And, and then often I would do the writing when I got home. But with the, mm -hmm. with the initial drawings, I limited myself in how much time I could, like I only gave myself one try. Draw it once, that's it, it's done. And, um, and you can't spend more than, you know, 20 minutes writing it. And you're limited to only supplies you can find in the, in the, um, office supply room. Right. So ballpoint pens, highlighters, uh, I cheated a little bit because, because of my job, you know, I have like various markers and, and things like that, you know, because I'm doing art stuff, but, but mostly, <laughs> I mean, I used whiteout, I used you, you, you name it, and I just let it be crusty and ugly and gross. And, and I sort of settled in on this idea of this guy who like he's, he's compelled to document his field notes for the world because he feels like 
he, he's going to give you the truth in a way that Peterson's will never admit to, which is that birds are irritating and they suck. And so you know, in order to make fun of birds <laughs> that way, you have to anthropomorphize them. But he's, he thinks he's a serious um, scientist, essentially. And, and there is a, there's a thread of that that runs through it. So that became a fun exercise for me from a writing perspective. At the time, I was doing almost all um, visual art. Um, but I always loved writing and I studied it in college. And in fact, I, I had this big crossroads where I didn't, couldn't decide if I was going into the visual arts or if I was going into writing and I just had more credits in one than the other. And so that's the route that I, that I, I'm a, I'm a, you know, grab onto the log and float down the river guy. And it, it was just, it was a fun thing for me. And then uh, one day I, I woke up and I, you know, I thought maybe I'll get, maybe I've had a couple more likes, like I need a little, that little, dopamine hit and so I, yes yeah, so I, I i opened up my tumblr and like suddenly overnight i had like 1800 followers like i went from like 100 to 1800 and i'm like my first thought was like oh no my account's been taken over by russian bots and um none of these people are real and like what do i do now should i change my password what's going to happen and um and i couldn't figure this out and then the the very next day it was up to 2000 and I just had no idea and it sort of freaked me out. Um, and then I got a call, uh, I didn't. So what had happened was, um, a, I think it was, uh, vice creative, the, their online magazine. Um, mm -hmm. it picked up on this and they wrote a little, you know, a little 400 word, like it's funny thing. You should check out this blog. And so I got, I started getting press on it. And then, you know, what happens when Vice does it, then somebody else's blog, then the Verge writes the same thing basically. And yeah, you know, the bloggers are like, cool, I can crib some funny content. And then at the beginning, I'll say, this is funny. And at the end, I'll say that was funny. And then I've got my post for the day. And, but it worked out great for me because I got a bunch of followers um, at which I didn't know about until I got a call from um, the woman who's now my agent uh, at this New York, pub, uh, New York, uh, literary agency and and um I'm like how did you find me and she's like oh i saw the article and i'm like what article so um <laughs> so anyway to continue my story uh she said do you do you have representation and i said are you offering to represent me and she said sure and i said i said yes um and i i thought at the time i thought well nothing is ever so you know nothing will ever come of this i'm writing a stupid blog with post-it note drawings of birds and 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 this profanity laced diatribes about them and i was just like this is going nowhere but um but now i can tell people i have an agent and that's fun right so i just i said yes because i thought it'd be fun to say that you know next time i'm at one of my friend's dinner parties i'll be like oh so i was talking to my agent today and it just sounds cool and so i thought just schedule schedule yeah, with my agent. yeah. Uh, you know <laughs> We'll be in touch. And uh, that didn't come up as often as you would think. But anyway, it was fun. <laughs> uh, but I thought there's just no, like, there's no chance she's going to sell this to a, to a publisher. And I swear, I swear to God, like, she's like, okay, let me, I'm going to this conference this week. But then when I'm in the back, I'm going to pitch it a couple places. I was like, okay, yeah, let me know. And I'm thinking, like, I'll, <laughs> I'll never hear of her from her again. And, um, and I'm thinking, like, first I thought maybe this is, they just scoop up all the, you know, get everybody who has a blog to sign and then try to do blog to book, but it's actually a really legitimate agency. And, uh, and, um, so I was sort of dumbfounded by that, but I was like, whatever. And then, so like a week later, she calls me back. She's like, I have two offers for you to consider. And I was like, what? And then I'm thinking like, okay, well, obviously they're not going to be from, they're going to be from some little bitty, cool like indie press that is going to be like we'll we'll print a run of 500 or something like that but you've got to pay us that sort of thing but uh actually <laughs> one of them is really uh one, you know I, I ended up going with they're actually two good offers i ended up going with chronicle um because they seemed to like get what i was doing and um and you know they also they do more humor and and um and they do a lot of merch which was sounded good to me and so I signed with Chronicle for this book. And then I was like, oh, crud. I have to write a book. What about yeah, you? because what I had what I had was like 25 like little bite-sized blog posts and little bitty drawings. And now 
no, I was contractually obligated to write a whole book and turn it into something. And I didn't know, I didn't know what I was going to do. And it was actually the title that I'd given it, which just sounded funny to me, the field guide to dumb birds of North America ended up that like, that's how it became sort of a, a field guide approach. And I realized like, Oh, I need to, I need to essentially make, not make fun of, but I need to put this in the format of one of the classics, the Sibley, um, the, the Audubon, um, all of those classic bird guides. And that gave me mm-hmm. both a, um, a format to sort of map against, but it also gave me, it gave me rules to break. And so then that's where the, that's where the, you know, I realized that like I can mine that because otherwise it's like, well, it's just a list of birds and you can be funny individually, but outside of the context of like, I'm seeing one of these every week pop up in my feed. Like that's, I don't know how funny is that? So it helped me develop the sort of author character voice more and, and it gave me a format. And, um, but I thought nobody's going to buy this. I mean, like, you know, let's, I can't believe I got this, this book contract, but they're going to, they're going to do me one printing of it and it will sit on. And I I knew, I just knew like, this is going to do nothing. And then the next time I see this book is going to be on like the, the discount table at urban outfitters. And um, and I figured like, that's just where blog, blog to book books. That's where they, they go to die. You sell a few copies and then they, and they die off. But instead they're, I don't, it's like I struck a chord. And so, um, basically I just kept saying yes to stuff because I thought it would be fun to be able to say that. I mean, it, I, I have, I have friends who are like serious writers, like they're writing novels and things like that. And they've been doing this and honing their craft for years. <laughs> it's like, they can't get an agent. They can't, they can get their book read, but they, and this, it just, I, I was just writing dumb stuff and this fell into my lap. And so, um, I don't know. It was just like, I just said, okay, universe throw it at me. And I'll, I'll say, I'll say yes, if it seems like fun and it, it, um, it has been. So, and, um, that is how, so, so you just did the whole uh, um, improv actor sort of thing. Yes, and you just kept. Yeah, yes basically. And all of a well, the funny thing was actually I kept. I wish I could say that was true, but I kept yes butting. I was like, yes, but. Oh. <laughs> but I'm never gonna get a book deal. Yes, but it's never gonna sell any copies. Yes, but it's a one hit wonder, and I'll never get another book deal. And so. I see you're almost to an improv. Actor. <laughs> it's more yes. like a pessimistic improv actor, I guess. <laughs> I just didn't, you know, like I didn't want to get, I guess I didn't want to get my hopes up because, because I, I guess I'm aware having been in the creative industry, how it's like, you can be good at basketball and announce that you're going to play for the NBA when you're in the eighth grade. And it's not going to happen probably, you know, for the vast majority of everybody, it doesn't, you can be great at basketball, but there's only so many people who get into that. And so I, it was like, mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is, is, I, I tell people that I was really lucky, um, but but on the other hand, I was also lucky that I that I put the work out there. And I think that was for me that was the learning was I was just making something that for myself and and for an audience of weird friends who had a similar sense of humor. And um, but I, I did it more for the enjoyment of it, and because I wanted to make something funny and creative and. And then this was the key thing is I, I put it out in the world and I, you know, and that's something that 20 years ago, I couldn't have done the same way. There would have been getting yeah. this way. The gatekeepers found me instead of me having to go to them. And, you know, I could still be writing a bird blog and nobody could have ever heard of it. I just, you know, I guess right place, right time, but also, um, I, you know, the right work. So I'm super grateful for my, for my agent who, who read my blog and, and saw the potential there and, and said, I'm going to, I'm going to take a, I'm going to take a chance on this guy. And, um, and cause you know, just to read the writing, it's like, is he crazy? And I remember there were articles out there wondering if I was <laughs> like a disgruntled forestry employee who'd been fired or something. And they're like, is he, is he stable? Is he, and I'm like, Oh, come on. You know, that's a joke. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's uh it's just been fun and i think that's that's in part why it's been successful because it, it's you know it's i won't say it's not work it, it is i'm actually working on another book right now and i'm been really heads down this next one's not about birds but um but 
you know, it's exciting to be um, making the art and doing the writing and stuff like that. And then, but I'm also on a deadline. And uh, so, no, back on a yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's, it's a, uh, it's real work. It's real work. Um, so um, you mentioned a couple comments that people have made about being a disgruntled yeah. forestry worker, but what, what's been like the most unexpected like comment or response or reception that you've, you've gotten? Mm, uh, you know, it'd be hard to pick just one. I'll, so I'll, I'll give you two examples and they're on both, they're on polar opposite ends of the, of the feedback spectrum. And um, I, I get the majority of comments that I get when people reach out to me um, are really positive. And uh, you know, they, the theme seems to be, and I, and I think in part because a lot of people discovered this book during the the early days of the pandemic, I think that the, you know, that increased like everybody's at home and now they're looking out their window and now they see birds. And so now they're interested in, for the first time ever, they're interested in watching birds and learning more about them. And so then somehow they come across my book. I don't know if it's through searches or a friend recommends it or whatever, but um, a lot of people said like, basically, thanks. I really needed to laugh, you know, like this is just awful time for everybody. And, and you're not seeing your friends, the social norms are disrupted. You're wondering if you have enough toilet paper to survive and you're feeling just like trapped in your house. And I think a lot of people were, they just, they told me, they said, I'm just, thanks. This was the irreverent, like I was in such a terrible mood, but then, you know, I, I was snorting with laughter reading and I couldn't help myself. And I just, I needed that break in tension. And so that, that's really gratifying to me. And then, and I get a lot of comments from people basically saying, you know, thanks, this, this really brought some levity or this, I just, it was a great laugh. Um, I get a lot of comments too, like, Oh, this is so hilarious. My dad's this over serious bird watcher. And so I'm going to get this for him for father's day or whatever. And so there's, you know, I think people, they like the, that the humor is irreverent because I think most everything in the space, if you're going to read about birds, anything that's even mildly educational is like it's just it's straight it's serious so i think mm-hmm. maybe maybe that's it it's just like one of the only books out there i won't say the only because there are a couple of other uh, titles that um i think are genius um and uh they're doing something different but i but in the same way they're being a bit irreverent about birds and um I don't know. This just seems like there's room for that. And this is kind of going back to what I was saying before is when people are really passionate, really serious about something, I think often too, there's this like, you know, I, I kind of like, I'd like to learn more about birds, but I don't want to read a scientific book about it. And I feel kind of dumb about it or um, just everybody I know who's super into it takes it way too seriously. And it's no fun because of that. And so I think this just gives you permission to enjoy them, but also not, not be over serious about it. And I think part of too is I don't, somebody accused me, this was, this is the other end of the spectrum, accused me of making fun of bird watchers. And I'm curious your take on that. Did you feel like these books were a put down of bird watchers, like written large? No, I didn't. I didn't think so at all. No. So I, I I feel like it was, at least for us, a lot of it um, is, was very representative, like kind of not, not as a put down in a way, but very representative of a lot of our feelings, uh, towards birds when we're having a like a good day that's also a frustrating day when when we're out there so it, it, a, a lot of the like phrasings that you use and a lot of the descriptions you use of the birds being like like dumb or they're just like uh a black crown night moron yeah, i feel like black crown night that. moron like like st- stuff like that it's just like that like they're, they're th- thoughts that m- maybe may not be as entirely formed as they are in the book but they're similar thoughts that are going through our heads when we're out there of just like we we love these things we love birds we we spend our lives every minute of spare time that we have outside of work is bird related we're doing this podcast we're going we're traveling to go look look at birds we're sitting in our backyard looking at birds and we're enjoying them for every minute but there's there there are minutes of in those minutes that of frustration that uh things from your book are coming into our head and kind of 
mulling about a bit. Well, and I think the kind of the difference with us is that we don't take ourselves that seriously. That's true. <laughs> and we know a lot of birders who do take themselves very seriously and I could definitely see being offended. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think at least most of our friends and us, we, you know, we joke around a lot too. And, you know, we make jokes about birds and, you know, we, we see that there's levity in it and appreciate that in addition to all of the like science yeah. stuff, you know, that that's out there already. So it's, it's a good, you know, combination of different resources to, to look at. And that's, that's where I really see your book is, you know, bringing in some that yeah. levity. Well, and that's, I mean, it's just, it's just meant to be fun and, and funny. And I have a particular sense of humor and, and I would say that like, it's it's definitely that's my sense of humor and it's written in my voice although in in everyday conversation i don't drop that many f-bombs but um you know i think when you you know um when i realized who this sort of the the what the character voice was i i i dialed that up a little bit and um and weirdly like the complaints that i actually get about the book which really aren't i mean i get this infrequently and um it's mostly been amusing to me but the biggest complaint is that um, four letter words aren't funny and I should be ashamed of myself for writing such a book. You know, it's like, it's really this very weirdly like 19th century moralism about, you know, it's okay for you to write about birds, but you can only, you, you can't use bad words about it. And then, but, and so, I mean, like, I, I don't do this so much anymore, but there are a couple of one star reviews on Amazon that are like, my favorite reviews ever. And I, I actually think that the one star, I don't want to say this because then everyone's going to try to do me a favor by rating it one star. So don't do that. If you like the book, rate it five stars. Rate, rate it what you, what you actually, actually think. think. But like there were a couple of one star reviews that for whatever reason with Amazon's algorithm, they always hang out at the very top of the, the ratings. And there's one that where this person is like, I gave this book to my husband as a gift and when we realized all like it ruined his birthday because of the language. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know, I, okay. Usually if I give somebody a book as a gift, I'll read through the first chapter. Even if I didn't haven't like, Oh, this seems like they might like it. I haven't read it, but I'm going to flip through it and see if the writing is any good or whatever. And like, there's a whole lot of clues that this isn't a serious book for over serious. I mean, it's like, <laughs> I like to tell people like I wrote this book for people who have a sense of humor so, um, I, it's not a field guide you're going to take. Yeah. In the field I, well, I mean, you could actually, I mean, I, that's true, yeah, you yeah, could. I, that's true. I actually went out of my, I mean, I really wanted, uh, what I say is, uh, all of the facts are accurate, but the opinions are mine. And so uh, I wanted to blend, like, I didn't want to put, you know, fake facts in like, did you know that crows, you know, can, you know, fly upside down or whatever. Um, you know, facts are things like they're the biggest jerks fact, you know, which is clearly an opinion. So I'd have to play this game where if I label something a fact, you can almost be certain that it is going to be a strongly held opinion. And, uh, but when you read the thing, it's like, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to steer you wrong about what part of the world they're from or, uh, if, if they're, uh, you know, um, a kleptoparasite bird or, uh, if, you know, they, they have, you know, long-term pair bonding or whatever. It's just that like that inevitably becomes part of the joke. And so, so I hoped it was a little bit educational, but that was not necessarily, I, mean, I feel like if you want to see really beautifully rendered drawings of birds and, and read straight facts about it, that, that um, Audubon has already done that. They did that a hundred and however many years ago. And I'm pretty good with a brush, but I can't do better than, than James Audubon. So, um, and there's, you know, it's beautiful. You don't, yeah, I don't need to. Um, but I think, uh, I think I'm bringing something new to the game. I hope anyway. Yeah, yeah I definitely. Yeah. Think so. Oh, for sure. So you said you had upcoming projects that are yeah. coming out? Can yeah. Well, I don't know if they're secret. Maybe I'll mention it anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say that I am I'm working on a book with Chronicle about bees next. So birds, bees, then, you know, cool. obviously after that, I have to write a book about flowers and trees, but I'm, 
I'm kidding. I probably <laughs> won't do that, but you never know. But so um, I'll just say that it is, uh, it's similar in some ways to birds, but it's not the same thing at all. Um, I actually, uh, I didn't feel like making fun of bees. I think, I mean, if, if you learn a little bit about them and how critical they are to the survival of our planet, it doesn't, didn't feel, especially now too. I mean, a lot, it's such a heavier world that we're living in, isn't it? Than a few years ago, at least it feels yeah. that way to me. I'm sure for some people it's been that way all along. I'm very fortunate and, 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 uh, blessed to be, um, you know, to have lived a pretty privileged life, but with world events and, and everything, it feels like a much heavier time to me. And I, I wanted it to be humorous, but I didn't feel like aiming that humor at the bees, but I'll say it's, it's similar. It's a similar tone. It's, it's under my name again. And, um, the art's a little bit different. Um, uh, I moved away from, from office supplies, uh, and I'm doing everything with, uh, <laughs> But highlighters are perfect. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. But what I'm I'm doing everything with a uh, pen and ink, with like a like a dip pen in India ink, and then and then doing uh, watercolor wow. with it because I wanted it to be. I don't know. I want it to feel a little bit different. So in some ways, the writing is similar. There's still some snark in there, although uh, it's it's probably I would say this is generally a more positive take on bees than than the birds book was on birds. But I was like, you think? Awesome. I mean. As far as I know, there are no birds that can read, and so I'm not hurting their feelings. So I feel okay about that. But uh, yeah, with the but there might be bees. It's possible. Yeah, I mean, they're actually when you start like they're weirdly good at stuff. So um, yeah. <laughs> so that's that's the next project that I'm working on. That won't be out for a while. But uh, then there is the the um, the field guide, or excuse me, the the, the uh, big dumb bird journal which will be out in about, about two months, I think. Um, so. Awesome. And that, that's a, um, a, a journal that people can input. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, it's, a it's like journal. a, it's like a field notebook. Uh, it's, I'm trying to, it's a, trying to describe it. It's, you know, it's small enough to stick in your, in your, um, in your backpack. And uh, mm-hmm. it is, you know, blank pages with little uh, tidbits scattered throughout um, and some, some new, uh, like how to, how to tell what kind of bird it is by looking into their eyes, that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> there are some matching games and, and things like that. And, uh, I think it is, it's, it, it is, you know, it is a journal, so it's, a, it is plenty of blank pages to write and draw in, but it also, I think there's some good, yeah. some good humor in there as well. Well, I look forward to seeing yeah. that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Matt, for joining us. It was fun to, to learn about you and about, you know, all of your, your cool books that you've written and congratulations on, you know, them finally getting printed and everything after uh, COVID. Um, Supply chain yeah. delays. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so Thanks. Well, th- yeah, thanks, thanks so much for having me. It's been fun talking to you guys. Um, happy birding. So something that I thought was really interesting about uh, what Matt was talking about was the character, yes. you know, that that is writing the book. Because I had this idea of who the character was in my head when I'm reading it. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's kind of a an older, you know, gentleman, probably like an office worker that like comes home, goes birding on the weekends, comes home and just writes about how frustrated he is about birds and how stupid they are, but he loves them. Well, and you you described him as sitting in a basement with a. Like a single, a, a single an, on a drafting table with a single like bulb light pointed at him, and it's it's just like dark all around, and he's just like furiously scribbling in those highlighters and and uh, bic pens, <laughs> just like ah, these birds. But then you know, one of the reviews that was negative on Amazon mm-hmm. mentioned how it's like birding with a drunk frat, frat drunk undereducated frat boy yeah so i just i think it's funny how you know the character is not really described and so we all have this sense of reading this person's journal essentially that was made into a field guide yeah and then we just pull what we want out of it so i i think that's really unique about this yeah so i i don't know if um if the character that we're all picturing or some of us are picturing in our heads of um 
of this guy is has any sort of caricature of Matt, but uh, Matt was a su- like you guys all heard him. He's super super friendly guy. Oh yeah, got a whole whole long story behind him about how he got into writing writing this uh, these field guides to birds. Um, but it's I, I just found the character the, the ability that the character is not fully like described that you can ju- you have to figure out what who this is that's wrote that wrote this based on all these plates that are in here that are. <laughs> Like, I use the word plates loosely, um, like, with highlighters and, and pens that he use office supplies to create these characters, and so, it, it brings or these it, birds. I feel like it brings it to a whole nother level. Like, I don't know if it's something that Matt, <laughs> Matt anticipated, but, yeah, now that I'm thinking about that, I feel like it's a whole different level of, of this book. Um, but, you know, as you mentioned, it's it's really a great field guide. I mean, it doesn't, of course, have all the birds in the world in there. It has just a select number of them. But there is great information in each one. There's humorous information. There's vulgarity. But, you know, like you said, all the facts are true. And so I think and that's... Then, and then all the opinions are facts. <laughs> I think uh, that's what makes it, you know, unique also. So thank you so much for joining us, Matt. It was really cool to talk with you and learn more about the books that you have put out. And we can't see, wait to see what more you have yeah. coming out as well. Um, so you can pick up his book anywhere you buy books. And he also has a, a like a bird a day calendar too. Yeah, that was kind is, of interesting. Yeah, which is really neat. So um, lots of options there. So thank you, Matt, again, and thank you all for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it or learned something. You can rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Music, and anywhere else you listen to us. If you'd like to connect with us on the socials, you can follow us at Hannah Goes Birding and Eric Goes Birding on Instagram. Our Facebook page is Hannah and Eric Go Birding. Our TikTok is Hannah and Eric Go Birding. <laughs> you can email us at Hannah and Eric Go Birding at gmail.com, or you could check out our Twitter, which is at We Go Birding. And, of course, our website is www.gobirdingpodcast.com. <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> hannahandairgobirding.com. No, not. so close. <laughs> uh, we broke the pattern there. So you can <laughs> tell us what you think and help us share the love of birding with your friends.